Welcome to the Pharma Podcast, conversations with industry experts and business leaders about important and current topics in Canadian pharma, biotech, and medtech. I'm your host, Sam Tarantino. In this episode of the Pharma Podcast, my guest is Brian Bloom, co-founder and CEO of Bloom Burton. Brian will give us a snapshot of the Canadian R&D landscape, its promise, and how Canadian innovation has been impacted by COVID and how it is contributing to the fight against COVID. Brian is a true champion of our industry. To bring any new therapy to market requires a good idea, bright minds, and a lot of money. Brian and his team has helped a lot of smart people with bright ideas find the money to fund their dreams and bring new therapies to patients. This podcast is being recorded on the heels of the 2020 Bloom Burton Award Gala hosted by Brian and his business partner and fellow co-founder, Jollyon Burton. The award gala highlights what is possible when we fund smart people with bright ideas. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Sam, and congratulations on the success of this podcast. You know, um, so why don't we start? It's it's possible some in the audience may not be familiar with uh, you and Blue Burton, so tell us about yourself and, and your firm. It would be my pleasure. We founded Bloom Burton 12 years ago with the sole mission to accelerate the path to bringing products and services in healthcare to market and with the ultimate goal of helping both founders, companies, organizations, and investors realize a faster path to market and positive returns. We provide, as an investment banking firm and the only one dedicated exclusively to the healthcare sector in Canada, a range of services that help both companies and investors. And this includes attracting and raising capital for private and publicly traded companies, advising on corporate transactions like mergers and acquisitions, providing stock research and trading services, consulting services, providing direct capital investments through the Bloomberton funds, and lastly, by acting as a founder in a variety of businesses as we incubate our own new companies, which we have done five or six times in the past few years. So I'd like to have a broader discussion on on R&D, R&D funding in, in the context of COVID and how it has been impacted, uh, how it has impacted our industry. Um, I believe you have a degree in chemistry. So let, let's use the, or biochemistry, <laughs> let's use the analogy of a catalyst. So in chemistry, a catalyst is a substance that increases the rate of a chemical reaction. Um, COVID's been a catalyst in many industries. So, Brian, is COVID a catalyst for our industry? Specifically, has it accelerated R&D and R&D investment? It has, thankfully. And the world has really looked to the healthcare industry and more specifically, the research stage biotechnology industry globally for answers to get us and solutions to get us out of this global emergency and this global pandemic. Um, Canada has a thriving research and development biotechnology industry with hundreds and hundreds of companies, many private, small, spun out of universities, many private and large with venture capital backing, and many small and larger ones that are public on Toronto Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ Stock Exchange. The amount of capital and brains that have been oriented towards the biotech industry is really globally and in Canada. We've taken our small share in the past many years. And biotech globally has really experienced in the past few years its moment. You know, this is sort of the golden age of medical research 
where the culmination of decades of academic and industry funding, uh, the culmination of better tools to sequence the genome, to better microscopes and tools and things in the laboratories, have all led us, our whole industry, to understand disease much, much better than we did, forget about 30 years ago and 20 years ago, even five years ago. So the Canadian biotech industry has participated along with this global biotech expansion as the, our whole industry has been modernized with new and stronger tools to understand disease and with new modalities like gene therapy and genetic therapy and cellular therapy and oligonucleotide therapy and biologic therapy to more, in a more precise way, bring new medicines to market faster. When COVID came, our industry in Canada and globally mobilized to put all of our learnings over the past decades to great use and oriented all of our energies towards solving this crisis, both with the advent and the development and now soon the commercialization of vaccines, of antibody drugs, of small molecule drugs, of diagnostic technologies and of medical technologies like devices. When we talk about Catalyst, Sam, I would say that COVID has been a catalyst, both positive and negative. It's been a positive catalyst because a lot of government and private capital has been thrown at really deserving companies. But it's also been a catalyst that has created, at least in the stock market and at least over the spring and the summer, a bubble of sorts, like we've seen with cannabis in Canada and with tech and with other things in the past, it, we've, we had a COVID bubble over the, over the spring and the summer where scores of undeserving companies who very opportunistically put COVID in their press releases and all of a sudden they were failing companies that were developing something for cancer or immunology or infection and all of a sudden overnight by reorienting to COVID, their stocks went up and you know they were able to raise capital, recruit more people, and move their programs forward and enrich themselves, even if they were only tangentially associated with solving a problem related to COVID. So there's unfortunately been a catalyst for a lot of opportunism and promotion, but thankfully, at the end of the day, biotechnology stocks and biotechnology companies live and die ultimately by the data they produce. So the deserving companies that do get government and private capital and spend it wisely and bring new products to market um, thoughtfully and appropriately, they have benefited from this catalyst that has been this moment that has been COVID. And the fly-by-nighters, the opportunistic ones, the ambulance chasers, thankfully, most of those have come to nothing and their stocks have come crashing down. And that's actually a good thing for our market. So where is the funding coming from? Government, capital markets, a company's balance sheet, family offices, charities? Globally, I would say it's been a split between government through Operation Warp Speed and you know BARDA and other programs like that, and the Canadian equivalents from the federal government, and definitely the capital markets. I would say in the United States, even though Operation Warp Speed has put billions and billions into COVID, uh, R&D, the vast majority of investments have been made in the in, by the private sector, by companies that have either used their own balance sheet money or diverted their revenues and profits from other programs into COVID to join the fight, and of course for the pursuit of 
profit, which is not a bad thing. Both of those, you know, to do good and to do well should go hand in hand. And that's the whole premise of our industry. In Canada, I would say it's been more of a split between government and the capital markets. The capital markets all itself being split between institutional investors and less sophisticated retail investors. I would say the retail investors have been the ones that have chased the penny stocks and the small companies in in the in the cannabis kind of bubble style where they've made and then lost a lot of money, but the institutional investors have put their chips on the more established companies, the more legitimate companies with the smarter management teams and with programs that are pursuing vaccines and drugs for COVID uh, with a much stronger rationale. Um, the government investments, I would say, have been pretty all over the map. The government loves to spread their money around to show that they're funding people in the Atlantic region and people in the prairies and people in the north and the south and from sea to sea to sea and underrepresented communities and small companies and large companies. You know, the government needs to show that they're being a friend to everyone. They're supporting everyone, almost like it's a social welfare program. Um, but they also have made pretty concentrated investments, which are required in this industry, into companies like Medicago and Abcelera, who are legitimate, who are backed by international capital providers and partners, and who have really legitimate programs that could make a big dent into this global crisis. Are these new investments focused exclusively on new therapies for COVID and, and are to the detriment? of other therapies? No. So as I mentioned at the outset, we've been in the middle of a five to 10 year plus bull market, and we're only in the early to mid inning, innings of it, of our industry, the biotech research industry, being able to start using modern tools and technologies to solve previously intractable diseases and problems in healthcare. So we're already in the middle of this huge wave of innovation and solving problems in cancer and Alzheimer's, in muscle diseases and cardiac diseases and so forth. And I would say that, you know, it's not a zero sum game. Any dollar that's gone into COVID hasn't come out of, out of the mouths of other deserving diseases or deserving companies. Um, you know, COVID has really shown a very bright light on the importance and promise of biotechnology research, of medical research, and the pie has expanded. I would say that the losers in the market, if it is a zero-sum game, have actually been other sectors that, because of COVID, uh, people now view other sectors as being a luxury and not a necessity. Life is a necessity, and quality of life is a necessity, and entertainment and and fun and travel and other things are, um, you know, are, are, are nice to have, not need to have. So COVID-19 has taught all of us to be grateful, to be thankful for our health, to not take things for granted. And I think the whole world is no longer going to be taking the biotechnology industry broadly for granted. It is pretty amazing to see what is possible when we laser focus on an acute problem. Um, this investment of money and resources has led to some pretty rapid successes. I mean, the most notable being the acceleration of vaccine development. Um, you know, what used to take years has now been condensed to months. And, and this includes the advancements of, of rapid new technologies like mRNA, which, you know, prompts the body to quickly produce proteins uh, to activate the immune system. Um, 
Will this investment in science and R&D lead to an equally rapid advancement in other therapeutic areas? I don't think equal, but it will accelerate the pace and urgency at which we solve other problems in healthcare that aren't every day thought of as urgent or as an emergency. Now, tell that to a patient or a parent of a patient with an with a deadly disease or with a genetic a rare disease with an orphan disease or with a terminal disease, right? So, in, in many cases, and in, in many families and in many communities, other diseases are as important as COVID, if not more so. But it's actually impossible to think that we could keep this kind of investment from government, the investment in time and opportunity that agencies like FDA and Health Canada have made, diverting their resources, working through the weekends, and sticking to urgent timelines to respond to companies with regulatory submissions, whether they be clinical or or commercial, um, you know, that are related to COVID. It's, that is not a sustainable pace, but certainly I believe our baseline level has increased or has gone up, and that can only be good for the biotechnology industry and society broadly moving forward. So bringing this closer to home, have you seen an increase in R&D investment and, and product development in Canada? No, I haven't, but what I have seen is the existing companies that have either pivoted into COVID or that are just increasingly catching this wave of what our the biotechnology industry is doing and its importance and how it can create returns for investors broadly. The companies that we do have, whether they're doing COVID programs or not, are in a healthier capital position due to an increased interest in biotechnology investing by both retail and institutional investors. So it has had a very positive impact, COVID. You know, for all the negative, there have been some silver linings, not just the urgency at which we move all research forward, how all of us think about health as being more important than we did before, but also on a micro level, the health of the existing companies in our industry broadly has increased due to uh, more government money, more private capital, stronger stock prices, flusher pharmaceutical companies that are starting to monetize smaller companies and acquire this innovation. I mean, all of it has been great for our industry. Investment led to some Canadian success stories in specifically um, in the context of COVID. For sure. The the best example would be a Vancouver company called Abcelera. Abcelera was only founded a few years ago with a platform technology for antibody discovery. They use microfluidics and other modern tools to more efficiently and more and more quickly um, go from a target or an antigen or an idea for a drug to a biologic antibody drug in a very, very short period of time based on their proprietary technology. They, over the past few years, they have established this technology through partnerships and customers in the pharmaceutical and biotech industry, growing a service-based business with tens of millions of sales, and that business has been growing rapidly. They also started dipping their toe into their own pharmaceutical programs where they own them 
and you know where they are the inventor and they intended to develop their own programs to become a more fully integrated biopharmaceutical company. When COVID came around, in literally a matter of eight to nine months, they went from an idea for a drug to finding the drug product to partnering with Eli Lilly to government funding and partnership funding and additional capital market funding that funded an aggressive clinical program. They actually became beating Regeneron. It's Eli Lilly and Abcellera that actually became the first antibody, neutralizing antibody drug cocktail um, for use against COVID approved with an emergency use authorization by FDA. And just this week, depending on when our listeners are tuning into this podcast, it is likely to be pricing the largest pre-money and post-money biotechnology IPO in the history of the Canadian sector, all within a matter of eight to nine months. So again, they went from idea to approved drug in a little over half a year, and the company itself has grown its value by many, many fold, having attracted greater talent, a huge amount of capital, and an enormous amount of purpose within, you know, in less than a year. So is COVID good? Is COVID good for R&D in Canada? Yes, it is, for all the reasons that I've already described, Sam. <laughs> um, but for additional reasons, too. For instance, there are many younger people in high school or in university that are now considering science and medicine and healthcare research as something that is of a higher calling. It, it's not just a vocation, it's a calling. It's something that they want to do because in this event which is a once in a century event, how can that not impact the choices that they make as to how they want to spend their days and spend their life and what they want their purpose to be? So I think COVID has tuned everyone in society into the importance of healthcare, the understanding that without our health, we don't have anything. We don't have wealth and we don't have a good life. You know, this is going to lead to more funding for universities and academic organizations uh, that are oriented towards medical and healthcare research, and hopefully more spin-out companies that solve problems related to COVID and beyond in the healthcare space. Biotechnology and pharmaceuticals, or drugs and vaccine products, aren't the only beneficiaries of COVID. We can also see a huge silver lining in digital health and healthcare services. The way that healthcare delivery has been disrupted because of the pandemic has been equaled by the positive change from the digital influences, telemedicine and electronic means in the way that governments and service providers, hospitals, doctors, and others are delivering healthcare to people. And it has empowered patients themselves to use digital and other tools to take in more control of their health and to be more of an advocate for their own health, given the disruption that's happened in in the marketplace. I mean, technology has influenced every single area of our lives, whether it's entertainment or travel. You know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, not everyone I knew had a telephone. Now you you, you can't even look at someone uh, without them touching, feeling, <laughs> and staring into their phone. Um, but technology, for some reason, has really stayed away from healthcare. And actually, it's the other way around the entrenched players in the healthcare system, and I mean everyone, from pharma to hospitals to deliverers of healthcare and practitioners, they have kept technology out of the hands of the industry and out of the hands of the patients. 
that has all changed thanks to COVID. So another silver lining of COVID is that patients and advocates and those that want faster, better, and more competitive delivery of healthcare have way more options and tools thanks to COVID. The digital transformation of healthcare, both in the delivery of information and the services themselves, has started, and that's something that is not going to stop in Canada and globally. So that has been a wonderful benefit of COVID, and and that certainly will have a positive impact in R&D in Canada, in digital health, and in the commercial markets as well. Brian, that is the perfect segue to my next podcast where I will explore the digital revolution in healthcare, specifically telemedicine and click and brick hybrids. Um, so thank you. <laughs> Stay tuned. I, I, will take a, <laughs> I will take a royalty on your next show. <laughs> Stay tuned. Brian, hey, thank you so much. Thank you for your time and, and your commitment to Canadian Pharma. How can the audience connect with you? Well, we have a website at bloomburton.com. Uh, we're also pretty active on Twitter and LinkedIn. And, you know, we also have an array of events that happen every year, not just the Bloom Burton Award, which is given out annually that you talked about at the beginning of the show, but our flagship event is the Bloom Burton Healthcare Investor Conference, which takes place every April. It's probably the most important gathering of companies and investors in the Canadian healthcare sector. Fingers crossed it'll be in person 2021. Fingers crossed, indeed. Contact details for Brian are also available on our website at thepharmapodcast.ca. Thank you for listening. This podcast can be found on our website at thepharmapodcast.ca. The Pharma Podcast is also available to listen to for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thank you to our sound engineer, Errol Francis. Please subscribe and follow me on LinkedIn to stay up to date on future podcasts. If you would like to be a guest on this podcast, or if there's a topic we should cover in future episodes, please connect with me via LinkedIn. Thank you for listening.